Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm pretty Woff. We have our last movie for remakes that nobody asked for. Woo! And this one was a special one. We saved it for last. I know we've been teasing it all month, but here it is. And the reason why we waited for the end, because this movie, was a franchise killer. This was not just a franchise. This was a massive take that Universal was going to be doing like M- the MCU, like we Marvel did and, and the way DC failed, but they never got a chance to fail. And with their no. dark, un- dark, un- I mean, they were so into this dark universe thing. It's fucking up there before the mummy slate even comes up. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. They were so into this. Yeah. I, and they, and they should have, it could have been super fucking cool. Could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this goes to, Wait, do we say what the movie is yet? Oh, no, but they already know what it is. It's 2017's The Mummy. The Mummy! 2017. Kurtzman. Oh, yeah, man. Alex Kurtzman directing his second movie, his first one after the Star Trek, Star Trek 3, if you want to call it that, Star Trek Beyond. Like we mentioned recently, um, maybe it didn't make an episode because we talked about it. I might have cut it out just not to tease what was coming up. There are too many writers on this movie. And I think that what's the thing that's most telling about the movie is when you look at the main three credited writers and it's David Kep, Christopher McQuarrie and Dylan Cussman. And these are all cruise guys, guys that you've seen splattered across pretty much every cruise movie that's been out for the last 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes not even seen, but I promise you, if Tom Cruise was in front of the camera, Christopher McQuarrie probably did a pass on, on the script at some point, whether he has a credit or not. He's usually good because I like the first Jack Reacher movie a lot. That was a great combo between the two of them. Yep. But this, this one has had massive production troubles beyond the script. And, and, but this is not to argue that the script doesn't work because it doesn't. There's just, there's just really nonsensical things, especially the yeah. ending. I can't figure, we both talked about a pre micro, like what the fuck's with that ending? Yeah, I mean, the thing that's the, the crazy thing, this movie feels like it's cobbled together, which is sad because, I mean, there's some impressive set pieces and there's some impressive sets and it's it's shot well, it's lit beautifully, but it just feels like it's cobbled together. Like, like I don't know how many sets of reshoots, but it feels like at least three. <laughs> right, this doesn't suffer the same thing that the Robocop did where it felt like a video game because that was all intentional. It felt segmented because that's how they built it. This feels, um, like I noted, that how many screenwriters are involved in this. But when you look at the story by credit, none of the three people that got credited with the screenplay, the final screenplay, the one that did, they were the one that was, and again, if, if people aren't familiar with it, how credits work in, with the WGA, if you get a screenplay by story, because it means a screen by, screenplay by credit means that you had the bulk of the work. Yep. Uh, and there's a story by there's three story by credits, including Alex Kurtzman, who wasn't, who is a noted feature film screenwriter. Him yeah. and his partner, Robert Orsi, have been doing it for years. So the, it definitely feels like there's three stories here. Right. Like, right. Really, there is. John, cobbled together. Yeah. John Spates, who you guys know, his original script for what Prometheus was when it had face huggers and all that shit before Ridley came in and had the dude from Lost change everything. And also Jenny Lumet. She is Lumet. When I say Lumet, she is actually related to Sydney. So royalty, baby. Yes. So you got three people that are involved with this that get credit for the story, and none of them have credit for the screenplay. That's the kind of mess we're talking about here. It's a it started off really good, and everybody was excited by it. Cause look, I I've talked about on the show how much I love fringe. 
And that was that was Orsi and Kurtzman's show. Yep. And they directed a lot of episodes and the and the show ran the whole thing. And if you've seen Fringe, you know those guys know how to tell stories, whether they're compact, long term, like X Files, where it's the, you know, it's the main through line, like aliens, this, this it was they had lots of one-offs and stuff like that. These guys know how to tell a story. The story that happens in this movie, you can tell they had nothing to do. Oh, I mean, I, granted, Orsi wasn't involved in this, but Kurtzman's hands were definitely tied. And what we both discovered through some looking around, <laughs> that is true. So there was a variety report a while back that Tom Cruise was, was so heavily involved with the production that he basically directed the movie. So that's where all those, that's where you start feeling all that disjointedness. Yeah. For a movie called The Mummy, it sure spent a lot of time with Tom Cruise with Tommy. and Mick Morton. <laughs> yeah, it's more Tommy than it should have just called it the Tummy. Oh, the Tummy. There's you could have called it Tummy. Like half mummy, half Tommy. <laughs> and again, I'm I'm I like Cruise. Uh usually I mean, here's the thing. I don't I don't hate this movie. I, actually, I don't hate it's very it no. it's very entertaining, but it's like a total you know what it reminds me of? Hmm. It reminds me of another garbagey movie that I fucking love and I I talk about it from time to time. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. That this movie has more in common with that movie than it does with any other mummy movies. Yeah. I, I think, right? Like if you just want to call like call it like it is. This movie, like that movie, was a franchise in the making that just fucking unmade itself right in front of your very eyes. Right. Right. Playing Amanit who a female mummy, which is great. And man, they painted her to be such an evil oh, person. God, dude, she was what so it, rotten in that opening, right? Yeah, right. And I'm like going, dude, she murders a baby in it. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty dude, great. Dude, and it did like the blood splatter and the crying stops. I was like, wow. Dude, it's it's pretty rough, man. It's it's, it's pretty rough. And when she first got- How did that not get a, how'd that get a PG-13? Had a, like, speaking of movies and ratings, like we've been covering this month. Yeah, dude, she's- Okay, I love Sophia. We talked about her before. We briefly talked about as She worked with Alex before. But for my introduction to her was in the first Kingsman. And when she had the blade feet. Yeah, man. Oh, totally. Ting, 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 ting. She's so badass. And so when I saw that she was going to be the mummy in this, and I'm like, all right, this looks a little bloated. And this is before the Dark Universe thing was even discussed. And it was like the teaser came out. I'm like, oh, it looks a little bloated. But taking what I what I enjoy with the 1999 Brendan Fraser version, all right, if you're going to show me that much of the mummy and it's her, I'm down. I'm down for that. Unfortunately, because of Tom Cruise's involvement, and a variety article supported this, that when Cruise came on, he might had the script modified and changed to where it focused less on the title character of the movie, The Mummy, and focused on his character, Nick Morton, and his search for fuck, I don't know. Right, like it, the opening is kind of, you know, it, it, at one point, like after we see the, op, you know, The Mummy, all that stuff, when we first see Nick and his good buddy, uh, Sergeant Vale, yeah. uh, it, it has a very sort of Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of opening vibe to it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, they're up there, they're spying, they're like, there's the Lost City, it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very Raiders of the Lost Ark at the beginning. Them, you know, in the native garb, riding down on horses into the small village, and then suddenly, it, you know, it's like an ambush, and there's soldiers, and it just kind of goes all wild, and then, you know. I mean, but it's a great, it, that's a great introduction to those guys, but it's a fucking movie called The Mummy, man. Yes. And you have, you have an actress that's in the movie 
that is a total draw. And it was funny because Kurtzman had said that one of the reasons why he wanted Sophia in the role is because how much they focus on her eyes in Kingsman. That's what drew him in. I'm like going, and in in his head on his storyboards, even before the caster, because that's who I, that's what I envision because you have to look at her eyes because if you've seen the movie or even the one sheet, you notice that her eyes do a little something special in it. (laughs) Right. And I guess at one point, so does Cruz's because he becomes, uh, he, he becomes cursed by Aminette. But and, and we're not ruining anything for you. Okay, do you remember that Star Wars thing that came out years ago where there was a fan the Christmas? And it was a fan film. It was so it was like it was everything was reshot. Every moment in the movie is reshot, and people had all these people around the world contributed to to the movie. So when they cut it all together, it was still Star Wars, but it was just four hundred different clips from different shot by different people. And it's disjointing if you don't know the movie very well. That's what it's like. I feel like this movie feels like it's it's got four different directors and none of them knew what the other ones were doing. And they got together and and they edit bay and this is what we got. It it when you when you talked about it, it's, it's not a movie. I don't hate the movie either. But once it gets it it goes for long stretches where it's got some great momentum and all yep. of a sudden this thing happens, something happened, you go, wait, what? What? And it's nothing specific because it happens that much. You're like, I can't. No. It's it's very weird. I and, mean, all those set pieces are great, right? They're, but they're just, there's weird, it's the way they're fused together. It's like, it's jarring. Right. <laughs> like, pulls you, you're like, what am I watching? What just happened? Another standout performance, and he's right in the beginning, that great opening that we talked about, is Russell Crowe playing Dr. Jekyll. Oh. Dude, and doing the voiceover, like the whole, uh, I mean, there's anybody, the, the, like it was set up so perfect. I remember seeing this in the theater and I, this is, and I was like, what's with all the fucking hate? This is fucking going to be great. Right. Ew, <laughs> boy. Did I, uh, it, and look, nobody's bad in it. That's the crazy thing. It's like, it's it, it, except for maybe Jake Johnson, who seems a little, I don't know, there's some, you know, but he's, he's in it, hardly in it at all anyway. But like all the leads, I mean, she's great. And Cruz is doing his Cruz thing. But again, it's called the mummy, <laughs> right? Like even even though Brendan Fraser is the is the lead in the nineteen ninety nine and the sequels, right? You you still see plenty of <laughs> of emotep. Yes, yes. I feel like we see less of Aminet in this than we see <laughs> of Emotep's wife in the first movie. Probably in the ninety in the ninety nine remake, right? I, I feel yeah. like I see her even less, and like, and she's the lead in this fucking movie. Yeah, man. I mean, they really fucked this up because uh, you know they set up the whole Doctor Jekyll and the, the, the Dark Universe thing would have been cool. Oh, man, and I, even in the we, first fifteen minutes of this movie, I was like, oh fuck, I'm told sign me up. Yeah, yeah. And, and then there's so many cool little things. Every time Aminette, like you sucked the life out of a human and turned into it. And then he turned into this, the zombie horde that she had. And I, the, the, those designs, and we've seen it so many times before, but the designs is still had, had a unique thing to it with the way that the way they moved. Just, there were so many really fun moments and all the best moments of this movie happen when Russell's on screen or when Sophia's on screen. It's just I'm like, where's their standoff by the way? Why didn't we get something with those two? Yeah. You know, I, where was our, where was our, cause, cause he hides out in this more than once. Right. I, why couldn't he, instead of fighting with Cruz, why couldn't he hide out and fight with Aminette too? Right. Jeez. 
I, here's the, that's like, what I was waiting for. I was right. Waiting, I mean, the, where, where was that? I mean, what? Yes. Where was that? Where was also the the scene where Jekyll and uh, Morton are going at it? Like right when he's like, you know, that there was a good moment when Cruz takes the shot and he's like, "Give it back!" He's like, "Oh yeah. fuck!" and he slides it back to him. Yeah. But I mean, look, man. I'm going to say this. If Jekyll smashed my head into that keypad, I'd probably am finished. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Right. Oh, shit. And I, I feel like that Nick Morton wouldn't have gotten up from that either. But hey, man, it's a movie. But you know, it's a movie called The Mummy. <laughs> so many reshoots on this. And that's something that it doesn't get. I remember that being getting going around our, I mean, we, we weren't even buddies yet, but we heard similar stories and we had different circles that we rolled in about how in different things that happened on the production, about the reshoots. But when you look at the range of the production production budget between 125 and 195, now you don't have that range of $70 million unless, you know, there is some heavy duty reshoots going on. Cause that's, that's nuts. You don't go, you don't have that much of a difference. And you know, the effects in the movie were Based story wise, seem relatively unchanged, regardless of how much crew was in the movie. Right. What's crazy, dude, is I'm just looking at this poster, and I love this poster, man. This, uh, this, this was what I, you know, there's Tom Cruise is nowhere on the poster. He's just his name, but this is a cool fucking dark universe poster that set up all this, all the promises that were broken. Yes. And there was one point, I forget when they made the announcement, the dark universe that they, because that was the day, like with the week that it came out, right? Wasn't the, no, was it the week? Was it the week that it came out, right? And then the Universal social media page showed that picture. Yep. That, that Photoshop job of all those guys together. Did they ever say what Don Johnny Depp was supposed to be? I thought he was supposed to be the Invisible Man. Oh, that's right. Invisible Man, right. Yep. And not on the poster was Angelina Jolie and she was supposed to be the bride in another movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, was Javier Bardem was in there because of he was the Wolfman, because right? of Wolfman, yep. right? No, Javier was some. Wait, what was Javier supposed to be in that series? Because we already had the Wolfman. Yeah, but that doesn't that that doesn't count. I think they were going to start over. No. Oh, I don't know. I don't. Remember. I don't. Sure. Remember. Okay. But here, here's the thing: these they made an eventually Universal eventually made an announcement that the Dark Universe is known more as a as a collective, but some of the individual movies are still going to get made. I want my Jekyll and Hyde. Damn it. Well, my Jekyll and Hyde movie, also, I would love an Invisible Man. You know, I'd like to see what they do with it. I, I mean, I would love to see the spin yeah. on the Invisible Man. It would have been good. But what's funny is for the whole dark universe tone that they were going for, you can tell when Cruz's involvement and it skews away from the overall intent of what they were trying to do. Because Crow's Jekyll is mean. He's mean. He's... He's very controlled as Jekyll, but when he's Hyde, he's mean. And it's not an overwrought thing with hair grown out of his face. It's just a very Hulk-like thing, which I've, oh, I always envisioned that being a thing. Right. That, that, that he's more Hulk-like instead of more like a werewolf <laughs> kind of thing. Right. The only thing that this movie made me want is it just desire like and disappointed that we're not going to get that Jekyll and Hyde that we could have gotten. Well, I mean, let me ask you a question because we did get that. Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss, but I don't count that. I thought that was no, that, no. That's because the Invisible Man is like he, he's not even. It's not even about him. It's about Elizabeth Moss, which right. I, you know I thought it was a snooze. I didn't, you know, I didn't like the movie, so I kind of erase it from my memory. Um, as far as the dark universe that they were creating, I don't feel like that thing fits in. I feel like no. that's just its own thing, right? Yeah. It's like you can call it the Invisible Man, but you know, I'd rather watch Hollow Man. 
And Hollow Man too. Well, in that movie. Again. Yeah, the thing about the Visible Man is like I, I would have been fine. It was like with other things we watched. I'd rather you just called it something else. I mean, yeah, exactly. Because it, it didn't really have anything to do with like. Well, I look look at Upgrade, dude. Upgrade's RoboCop. Yeah, I mean, 100%. you don't you have to call it. You know, it's a. I mean, granted, it's it's a hundred percent better than the RoboCop twenty fourteen. But they didn't. There's no. They didn't try to disguise the fact and call it. They could have. They could have called it something else. But they didn't, and it's fine. I, I know you don't like the movie, but I did. But it did, most certainly is not what they were going, what their what their intent was with Johnny Look, man, Depp playing. Call that. it anything except for the Invisible Man, and I'm in. Yeah, like like, like we're seeing so much of. If you're going to jump onto a a, a franchise or a, a branded name like the Universal Monsters are, because like, look, you can see a movie called the, you can make a movie called the Mummy, and if it doesn't, if you don't see Universal logo sure. at the beginning, you're like, what the fuck is this? Right, but you know it's a drag about the movie called The Mummy. There's not enough mummy. In it. There's not enough mummy in it. <laughs> uh, wait, have I said that already? At least once on this, uh, in this episode. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. Here's the weird thing about this movie. There's a lot to like about this movie. Right, and then there's just a lot of you know. I have a lot of questions that don't, you know, that I'm never going to get answers for because I think that I think it's done as far as like this big budget like these big budget versions of it, I think it's done. Like, cause the invisible man was under $20 million and it was, it was kind of underwhelming. Like if you, if you took this movie dark universe and if you're calling that a dark universe and you look at it, this movie is super like, it's got, you know, it's, it's a summer blockbuster big, you know, it's like MCU that invisible man isn't like, I, I wouldn't, again, they just should have called it something else, but like this, um, this is, you know, this reminds me, I think I, t- I texted you earlier. It kind of reminds me, I wanted Van Helsing to be good when it came out. Right. Uh, but it just, you know, Van Helsing suffers from a lot of the same issues that this movie suffers from. Um, you know, but the CGI is, is way worse in uh, Van Helsing than it is. In oh, the, yeah. The, the, the effects Even, of this movie don't bother me at all, really. They, they, Except for the last one where they're riding away on the horses and there's okay. a giant storm coming I, from Cruz's horse. I don't, I'm not the a, other horse. Yeah, I'm not afraid to go ahead and say this about the ending. <laughs> and just right now, Tacked even though we're 20 minutes in, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, again, it's called The Mummy. And like, you know, it's weird. Like, tell me, get, tell me it doesn't end like Last Crusade. No, that's what I'm saying. It's and it turns it turns back exactly, into Indiana Jones. It's just, just wait. What did I just watch? Hey, you know what, dude? Just because your boy Spielberg didn't want you to be in, knows that you couldn't be the the rebooted Indiana Jones, then you don't have to go make an Indiana Jones movie, dude. That wasn't what you were hired to do. Yeah, in uh, dude, it's another thing that was a super okay. Well, let's just let's just talk about the big pluses. I think we kind of like. We'll find. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll find our. I'll find our way back to stuff that kind of we'll bothers us. Find our way us. back to the weird but, stuff. But but the sets, fuck, dude, they're amazing. They're I amazing. Mean, yeah, they're so they're so good. You can the, like when they first fall down and or they first they uh, first rappel down into the into the hole as they were calling it. Yeah, all that stuff and the the prison that they had Amanet and I'm like going, oh my god, dude, it was so good and and. Yes, there's some probably some blue screen, green screen there for 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 set extension, just so they don't have to build it all out for for depth purposes and all that. It's just more or less matte paintings, dude. What they do here is super clever stuff that you haven't seen before. On top of things that feel familiar, 
but damn, dude, seriously, who who was a production designer on this? Because it fucking- John Hutman was one of them, and I think there were. I don't know if they matched him, but there's two listed. But I know John Hutman. Oh, and Dominic Watkins, you know, who has done things like Snow White and The Huntsman. Uh, the, the reboot of Dr. Doolittle, the Downey Jr. one. Right. She did, they did Kate. Do you ever see Kate? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if they matched him or if one of them replaced the other. I, I'm not sure, you know, but they're both listed, Hutman and Watkins. Um, but man, that lab, dude, where they walk into um, yeah. Jekyll's lab. I mean, <laughs> yes. it is fucking, that is a great set. Yeah. And it, that to me is like when you feel, when you start feeling those Raiders of the Lost Ark moments and they're these, and these popcorn movie vibes that you get that feel out of place in this movie. When you get to those moments, like we talked about the big set piece when they when they find Amonet's prison and when you're in Jekyll's lab, those two moments are there to invoke all the feelings that were in the original Universal Monster movies. Right. And because they were key things. See, most people out there that are under 40 years old, actually, I'll even say more than that, under 45 years old. Right. Aren't going to understand this. There was a time at Universal Studios when they used to have part of when the, those moments where you got off of the tram and you did this little thing, like like the Back to the Future thing now where you're kind of like doing the clock tower thing. Or for us, though, back in the day when we were kids, it was the recreation of Six Million Dollar Man and a couple other things. But that little roundabout thing ended with you being in Frankenstein's lab. Right. That's how much those things meant to Universal because, well... They're staples. Universal was built on Abbott and Costello and the Universal Monsters. Yeah. And those that's why those sets work so well. And that tells me that's what Kurtzman was going for. It was a vibe that was supposed to kick off this whole rebooting of the entire Universal Monster franchise. And someone decided to make Raiders of the Lost Ark instead. Well, what what I think happened, and I'm going to ask you this, because maybe, th- maybe this is what happened. Uh, maybe... The movie was too dark for TC. And he said, look, we got to lighten this up. This is a Tom Cruise movie, man. People don't come to Tom Cruise movies to get scared. They come to see me. They come to see my face and my dimples. And they come to see me run, It's do things. It's possible. You know? and, but also, I, I mean, think- it, I just feel, it's what I'm saying. It feels disjointed. Like, right. There's like this, like that dark opening. Right. And then immediately it goes to the Raiders of Lost Ark introduction of Nick Morton. I, I'm not sure. Um, the tone of the movie is kind of what bothers me the most. Like dark universe. Mummy, I expected the movie to be darker than this. Right, and that's what and, I mean. That's when you you get those mummy. moments. You get them. You get those moments where you can feel like that was the movie's original intent. What they were trying to do to kick off this whole universe. Yeah, but again, I don't dislike it, and I don't, and I don't dislike Tom in it. That's what's funny. It's just, it just, it's just uh, the tone. It's just kind of uneven, wildly. When you uneven. get. To- <laughs> Right. When you get to that reveal, right. When you, when you find out that, that Jenny has been, been working for Jekyll the entire time. And like, we knew that we were seeing that as an audience sure. participant, but his reaction to it was kind of like going, okay, Ethan Hunt. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, he's also, he gets a little befuddled. Like he's channeling a little Hugh Grant action at some point. Right. So I'm like, just because you're shooting in London, man, doesn't mean. <laughs> right. You're not, you, you don't have to do Hugh Grant. dude. The tone is widely inconsistent. And and I like I said, when you're going for long stretches of time where you're into the movie and then they just kick you with something, I'm like, well, this doesn't, how does this fit in? You know how you've ever, have you ever looked at like 
jigsaw puzzles, <laughs> some 500 piece jigsaw puzzle. And it's a picture of, of the United States and the jigsaw comes down, cuts all the pieces and down the assembly line, dropped into a box. It goes, well, that same cutting mechanism is used for another photograph, like for another, yep. another puzzle set. So there are puzzle sets that fit, that fit piecewise into your jigsaw, <laughs> into your jigsaw puzzle that just because the piece fits doesn't mean it belongs. And I feel that this movie has a lot of that moment, those moments in there that just instantly take you out of the moment. Once it reaches a momentum point and it just, it just, it's jarring. It happens a lot too. Oh yeah. Um, it's why we go from saying we don't hate the movie because there's stretches of long stretches of time where it's really, really enjoyable. And like you noted, and I've been noted for almost every performance of the movies we covered this month, everybody's good in it. Just they have, they're just working what they're working with. But this feels like this is the one movie of the five that we covered that feels like it wasn't a bad script to begin with. It was too many rewrites. Yeah. And it, and it changed it, it, during production or even, I, it's not what everybody agreed to do. That's the thing. Let me go back to the thing you were asking me about Cruz or that, you know, like he came in there and, and changed things because of like, what people he thinks people are there to see. Has he ever done occult like movies before? No, no, no. I think, I mean, no, not that I'm aware of. I'm just yeah. trying to think, is there anything that Cruz had ever done before this, you know, that sort of leans into that sort of dark, uh, I mean, you know, she killed a baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> the old footage sequence. I don't think so, man. I, I don't, th- I don't, I can't off the top of my head think of anything that Tom Cruise has done that leans into that sort of, you know, that real dark underworld uh, kind of vibe, you know? Right. And maybe that's, I don't know, man. I feel like the, the you know, the time you're doing three reshoots on a movie, especially a movie like this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're you're wildly changing. I mean, what would be awesome is at some point, you know, you just, they just put together like a, like a director's definitive cut, like, and Kurtzman just gets to put out his like dark version of it. I'd just love to see what it is. Yeah, he. I mean, he gets. He did an interview later on uh, in tw- early in 2019, and this is before the movie came out. He he just flat out said, you know, that when it all happened, uh, it's not the movie that he wanted to be. And when he left the show, he was happy. So it made it made it sound like he wasn't there all the way through the end. I can't remember the exact quote, but I just recall reading that and going, "Oh, here it is." The mummy wasn't what I wanted to be. I'm no longer involved in that. And I have no idea what's going on with it. I look back on it now and what I felt and what felt painful at the time ended up being an incredible blessing for me. So. Yeah. Well, there <laughs> that, you go. And that was from an interview in, uh, in Collider he did in January 9th of 2019. And considering when the movie had come out, it's like, it's, I'm curious as to how old that quote was because the article it was dated January 2019, two years after the movie came out. Who knows? But those are pretty bold words. That sounds to me like he wasn't even, he might not have even been in, in the edit bay at all. Right. And based on what we read in that Variety article right after the movie opened up, it sounded like Tom Cruise was the one directing it anyway, but who's going to say, no one's going to call the TGA about Tom Cruise. No way, man. And not if you don't want to work wow. in the town anymore. I Like we talked about, I think the best stuff in the movie is also what's disappointing when you don't get enough of it. Yes. And I, you know, again, Sophia, uh, Russell Crowe. Well, and even Crowe, dude. Yeah, like that's I was what I mean. more interested in her and Crowe, those characters, than I was with the fortune hunting. I mean, you know, you know what it kind of, it reminded me of those, what were those kooky, um, 
funny little action movies they tried to make with Matthew McConaughey, Sahara, and what was the other one <laughs> with Kate Hudson? I mean, like his character kind of seems like that, right? Like they took the character from those movies and threw him in the mummy movie. Well, was it the one where they were doing the, the, the deep sea diving and stuff? To, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. There's two called? of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Sahara and then there's that one or whatever yeah. it was called. Fool's Gold or <laughs> Yeah, something. that sounds right. <laughs> deep, something. I don't know, man. Deep blue I, I, sea. Okay. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna throw out <laughs> bullshit like that, I should know what I'm talking about, I guess. But I don't. No, but, but I'm just but, saying. But tone wise, yeah, that's I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just saying it feels like like his character, like there's the the like the, somebody was like, nope, this movie's not funny enough. I'm not. He's not likable enough. I don't know, man. It kind of weirdly works in a certain way, except for those moments where they try to fuse them all together, and then you're like, what the fuck just happened? Because we don't ever see Tom Cruise being this self-centered dick that he's in this even even jerry Maguire, he's like <laughs> right i mean he's dick ish but he's not like this where he's just like going i don't give a fuck about people's cultures i'm doing this for money right talking jake johnson down and saying no 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 we're not thieves we're not going to leavenworth we're not doing that stuff no we're reappropriate he's he he spins everything and i'm like going that's this isn't like him now Johnny Depp, on the other hand, playing playing Nick Morton makes sense. Sure. And that kind of tone, because that's Jack Sparrow, dude. Right. I mean, if you really want to talk about... I mean, yeah, it's weird. Like, it, it's just a weird... Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Oh, Fool's Gold. It is called Fool's Gold. It is Fool's God Gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yep. you go. Oh, I'll go back. I got reminded about the set. Okay. When Amina is caged and she's jail with the, with the chains and they're pumping oh, the yeah. mercury into her. God, that set, dude. All that. I mean, seriously, it's like so good. The the interior, the plane, like that that whole plane sequence is super fucking yeah. cool. Oh yeah, I grew up in planes all my life because my dad worked for Lockheed. So this to me is just like going, yeah. I, anytime I see a movie, it's got C one thirties in it, especially like this one too, because of how well they shot it and how much of their set, the the fuselage that they use, the real one and the one that was built for for their movie, right. So good. And then like, like everything in this movie, even the, a lot of times the CG in movies like this suffer. And there's a little bit of that. I liked at the end where Aminette, when she was having her little sand thing, but it was really locust. I, that was a little nice, a little homage to 99. I thought that was kind of clever, but that's the only time in the movie where I just feel like it doesn't fit with the whole plan of the movie. It doesn't feel that dark. It's not dark university enough for me. If, if I'm going to say right. that. No, no, I'm with you. I think that's the part that's the that's the bummer the most is like the best stuff in the movie is we don't get enough of it. And because of the quote unquote failure of this movie, the box office, it's still gross $410 million. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I'm shocked that just by the gross, it, I mean, that they didn't just say, fuck it. And let's go, let's forge ahead and put out another one. Let's just keep going. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like it was a bomb. Right. And if you were to survey people, like, look, okay, I know you don't like the movie, but there's got to be some good stuff in there. If, I can't see anybody, I can't see 100 people getting surveyed and not 95% of them, at least, saying the best thing in it was Sophia and the best thing in it was Russell Crowe. Yeah. Or well, then keep going with that. We already got a movie playing on that guy. Maybe we can put Sophia, you know, have her come back in some way. And then they have, and then they have their whatever. The setup, though. The setup to have Jekyll be this guy, like protecting the world from all this shit. And it's just, it was just, it was a great setup. So when you see it all and the big plan and everything, you you could see and your imagination was going, 
man, if he did something like this or this, something like that, wait, he's going to be invisible. Man, wait, she's going to be the bride. Right. This is going to be incredible. This is going to be fun. At worst case, it's, it's in between DC and Marvel as far as execution. (laughs) Right. And I would have been fine with that. Tell the story you want to tell, but your problem is they hired somebody that to, to sell the movie, even though the mummy would have sold the movie with a lower tiered A-lister, you know? Yeah. There, there's a point where like you got Crow, you got her. Let me, and I get it. It, it was a big blockbuster and it was, it just always seemed weird to me that Cruz showed up in it because of like we talked earlier. I don't remember him ever like going down the road in this genre at all, like right. ever. Like, right. But I mean, look, if somebody would have got me when I walked out of the theater in Kentucky, I would have been like, yeah, I, I, I would have said, yeah, I'd see another one. I would have. I mean, again, I didn't hate it. I laughed at a lot of it. I mean, I was entertained, bottom line. Right. And uh, the things that are good about this movie almost outweigh the bad things, but the bad things are just so weirdly jarring. Like it, it just kind of kills momentum. And it's like, it's very uneven. It's like being on a roller coaster that, you know, it might go over the edge. You know, it might be fun until like you go over the edge <laughs> and right. it's not fun. No. And you get a lot of that in this. You theorizing that, you know, maybe Cruz felt like he wasn't likable enough. His his Nick Morton character wasn't yeah. likable enough. That scene with him, with he and Jenny, when she's saying sarcophagus, he goes, you mean, <laughs> you mean the, the coffin? You know, when they're doing that whole plan. Yes. And I'm like going, dickhead. I don't work in this world, but guess what I know? I know what a sarcophagus is, you fucking dipshit. Correct. And for somebody that has been running around Iraq in different parts of, yeah. of that desert, stealing shit from cultures, is to, fuck you if you don't know what a sarcophagus is. It's, it's so stupid that it's like going... Well, you're an idiot if you don't know what she's talking about. And stop right, talking. Like, I feel like I've known what a sarcophagus is since I was a kid and I was taken to the Tut exhibit. It was almost like they were downplaying to certain parts of, of uh, right. middle America. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Yeah. Like, well, there's also that weird scene like at the, like, at the beginning where Courtney... And dude, we didn't even mention Courtney Vance. Dude, dude Courtney I know. Because- Vance, dude, so how great was it to see Courtney Vance doing something like that? And he was great. Again, not in it enough. But, you know, he shows up and makes his mark. But the scene where, like, he shows up, right, like, to save the day at the beginning and they're all standing there and they're like, get down in the hole. And he's right. like, that whole, he stole my map. <laughs> that whole sequence, like, where he, like, he said, she said, like, how, you know, his 15 seconds, it was a long, you know, that whole thing seemed so weird. Like, it was supposed to be charming and funny and just kind of came off flat for yeah. me. Like, I was like. Yeah. And since we talked about the crazy rewrites and stuff like that. Again, Jake Johnson's character, he's credited as as a sergeant also. Right. But Courtney Vance refers to him, you know, Colonel Greenway, his, his character refers to to Chris Vale as Corporal Vale. Yeah. So I know. It, I noticed that. I was so like, well, it, well, again, so it's reshoot? Like, it's, yeah, it's interesting for him to say sergeant at on his credits for, as far as SAG goes. <laughs> but in the confines of the movie, they call him something different. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Right. Um, but it's, I mean, it doesn't mean anything when it comes down to credits, but it just says more to the idea of the disjointed production because of rewrites. Here's something else too. Lots of lots of characters in this movie, but they're not, a, the cast isn't big. No, not at all. The cast is relatively small. And relatively unknown outside of our, uh, you know, like the, maybe like the five big, you know, the five actors we talked about. Right. I mean, I don't know. Anna, Annabelle Wallace is, you know, I mean, to the, to most people, Outside of like, I mean, she's not been in a ton of stuff, but she was super, she was recognizable to me. And I knew her from, uh, 
one of the X-Men movies, First Class, right? Is that the right one? Yeah. She's in one of them, I yeah. forget. And then she's in Malignant, which watched the uh, last, last. And, and the movie's still amazingly bonkers. It's so great. Right. And she's in Annabelle, which I kind of love the first one. So in Marwan Kanzari, he plays Malik. He plays uh, Jekyll's chief of security. Uh, you may look familiar to you if you saw the recent Aladdin live action because he plays Jafar yep. in that. And I remember, I remember yep. saying when he, when I first saw his photograph, like he was going to play Jafar, I'm like going, Jafar the animated in the animated version was such so menacing, even in animated form. And I thought this guy doesn't look like he can pull it off, but he's actually quite good in it. And he's another one of those guys. I'm like, I want to know more about Malik. Yep. If he's Jekyll's chief, and we would have got more of him if we got our Jekyll and Hyde movie. Right. F fucking people. That's the part like I keep finding myself doing. I keep finding myself going the what ifs, right? <laughs> that this movie was setting up and went away because the movie was deemed a failure or didn't make enough money. I, yeah. It was weird for Universal to come out and say, hey, you know, we're dropping the whole Dark Universe thing, but we're still going to make some of these solo movies on the side. Do you think, I would wonder if, if, if that was during the part, you know, during one of the transitions of ownership, uh, Universal, you know what I mean? Like, because I think there were a few in, in, in the mid, uh, in the 20 teens. I feel like there were a couple of them though. Like maybe, uh, who knows, man, new ownership's like, nope, we're out. You know, it's kind of like what's going on with WB now. Like, but it happens at Universal all the time. Cause if we talk about this before, didn't we say like Universal just doesn't know how to franchise? Cause I mean, the dark man franchise didn't work. Maybe the shadow didn't work. They just yeah. they give up after one movie. And, and the, here's the thing. The only reason the fast series has worked for them is because the people that are, that they did, that are oh, the producers right. that, that are running the, the whole, that whole franchise were left alone. Yeah. I forgot. I always forget about Fast. And no, it's Universal. easy. It's easy to forget because it's literally the only franchise they have. <laughs> right. And, it's, and it feels like it's its own thing. Like I wouldn't even, you know, if somebody had quizzed me, I wouldn't have been, if they would have said, what's two, I would have probably said Fox. <laughs> <laughs> right. It feels more like a Fox thing. It really yeah, does. Totally. Um, Universal has gone through a lot of turmoil in the last 20 years between, you know, being bought by, well, maybe further back than that when we got by GE and by GE selling them off to Comcast. And if you guys were watch 30 Rock, you know, when they come in and Cable Town comes in there and buys up NBC, that's what they're referring to. And the way they mock, lovingly mock Comcast <laughs> through that, but it's pretty accurate because I was working at the time when that all happened and it was very disjointed. So th they've always had the discombobulation going on there. But the mummy, this mummy anyway, it could have been so much. It was setting up a whole world that we could have gotten. And all I wanted was even, even if we got an uneven, like, like a, a Jekyll and Hyde version of this, that was similarly uneven. I still would have wanted to have seen it. Like we said, I don't hate this movie. It's marred by things that, that are kind of frustrating as a, as somebody being told that, Hey, lay back and let's tell you a story. You're like, well, stop confusing me with shit. Right. <laughs> Cause I don't know what's going on sometimes. Yeah, just stick to one or two storylines. I don't need four. Where's the mummy in the movie called The Mummy? <laughs> I want the mummy. And, you know, you mentioned Set, the fucking, you know, the god of death. You see him once. Right? I don't know. That that sequence at the beginning where she uh, sells her soul, basically. Oh, my um, God. It's so good. Yeah, right? Like, dude, like, uh, it's fucking, yeah. I mean, again, that's that's from another movie. Like. The whole lead-in, you know that that voiceover and all the all the visuals that are going on, and then you know, and then it cuts to you know Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I don't know what else to say about that. You know, it's when just, I was talking in the theater, I thought someone had switched reels. 
<laughs> but then I realized it was probably all, you know, what <laughs> digital print didn't matter. But all that being said, I still kind of, <laughs> kind of enjoy the shit out of this movie just because it's so, yeah, the saving grace is it's not over two hours. It's like a one, it's hour and 49 minutes, yeah. which is, if it, like you said earlier, if it was one minute longer, it might start to feel like it was too long. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of ends where it should. I um, think so. Despite yeah. all of the fucking weird stories that they've jammed in. They, they, there's a lot of open ends at the end of the movie too, which again, I would say, oh yeah, they were going to make, because they were going into the dark universe and that would have been answered. But, but some of these open ends wouldn't have been answered ever. No, you know, not, not with this movie, even if they had gone on, there's still a bunch of things in this movie. Like the very, like the ending makes no sense to me. Right. We're not going to ever see the mummy again, but what we're going to get is a movie of Nick Morton riding around, kicking up dust with his horse. Right. That's something that we don't see with any of these movies. The the 99 one got kind of close to the tone of having the, uh, the, the, the still being a horrific aspect of the mummy. And then, also having a little bit of fun with it. That's what we were talking about earlier. The fun, the moments in there where you're trying to put in those likable levity moments don't work because Tom Cruise right. is terrible when it comes to levity, which is why I think why, why Jake was the one that was hired, but he wasn't given anything to be funny with. No. And by the way, before I forget this shit, and if this is something that, okay, for a movie <laughs> called The Mummy and what they're trying to do and this character has been around for 90 years, as far, yeah, as far as cinema goes, 80s, five years. I'm okay with the homages, the tributes, the nods, because you you can't get this far into into the world of horror movies to not lean on certain things and be like, hey, you, I'm a fan of this stuff. I'm not just a hired gun. But dude, the heavy handedness of Sergeant Vale basically being Jack the meat, the meatball. Oh, dude, right? From, from American, fucking world. American World. Oh yeah. my God, it was just so obvious. At first I thought it was clever and then they kept doing it. Yep. And I said, I swear to you, if you do the mirror bit, the medicine cabinet mirror, I'm going to fucking lose it. Thank God that extra minute, I said, this better not be longer. If this was a minute longer, we can done for it. That would have been the extra minutes putting that in there. And I would have, I would have, I would have clocked out right there. Right. Also, there's, there's the moment where she's like stalking through London. That looks like the moments yes. when the wolf is like in, in, in Piccadilly Square. And it's just like. And I get it. I know they're, they're, it's a, it's a nod and a wink and blah, 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 but right. it's almost like too much. It's like, ah, oh, fuck dude, just go one or the other. Don't, don't do both. When he's in the dark alley with her and you can't, and he's staring at something, you can't see it. And then you see this movement. The sound design is movies startled me more than the visuals. Yeah. But more than one time. And I'm like that particular moment, I'm like, ah, oh, where the hell is the rest of the hour and 49 minutes? <laughs> Of that. Where did that go? I want that back. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like this movie almost works. I mean, it, it works for me and my broken down sort of like, you know, what could have been sort of, you know, right. it goes into a file with a bunch of other junky movies for me. Yeah. I will, I'll watch it again. I'll don't oh, yeah, totally watch too. it again. And what, you know what sucks is too, is like, here we are a year and a half. This movie comes out a year and a half after everybody doesn't go see nice guys for some reason. And like, what a great one to punch. He probably had in this movie. Right. <laughs> the follow up. Nice guys. I feel like he wasn't in as much as he should have been. Yeah. Like, dude, like there's, I feel like there's, there's some, some Russell Crowe, there's some Jekyll stuff. It's, you know, on a cutting room floor somewhere. Yeah. And it was, and, and that's what's super disappointing because ironically, the first thing you're, you're introduced to in the entire movie is 
Russell Crowe. You you don't just hear his voice, you see him. Yeah. And while while he's telling the story of of the mummy in this case. Right. As an audience participant, if you're not seeing trailers or photographs that kind of spoil the fact that he plays Dr. Jekyll, you don't even know that yet. Nope. You don't even know until Cruz shows up and he's introduced to him. Right. Which is what, 40 minutes into the movie? Something like that? You're way into the movie because I paused it right there. I'm like, wait, there's an hour left? Fuck. <laughs> so one of the things that disappointed me the most was seeing a still picture with him in hide mode, not full hide mode, but just where his eyes were lit up. Right. And I'm like, dude, that's a reveal you guys really should have fucking saved. Right. Can you imagine just seeing that moment in the theater where he tells him his name? Right. And at first it doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's going to tell him his name. He kind of goes, I'm a doctor. Right. <laughs> he just, he's being super facetious and dancing around the question. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you who I am. But that was, I mean, that's for the audience because as soon as he says the name, the audience is going to go, oh shit. Oh shit. And they were dancing around and talking about, you know, what he, what kind of a doctor he is and the things that he studies and everything. I, I thought they were just going to keep letting it go. Now for the audience, everybody knows who he is, even if he doesn't say his name at that point. But that's, that's such a great reveal. And I would have just preferred not seeing not the eyes ahead of time. I would have, I, I would have started to put the pieces together like the script wanted me to. Yep. Like the script that doesn't know that that some promo department put out a photograph. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's again, it's one of those things that's disappointing, and why you and I are pretty big on trying to avoid teasers and trailers and articles. And so I don't ever read Collider or yep. any of those magazine sites anymore because it just I'm waiting for somebody to show something that I don't want to see, and it's going to ruin yeah, something exactly. for me. You know what, just quickly before we get, you know, do you know what, the, the underwater sequence in this is pretty fun. <laughs> right. Okay. Again, back to Last Crusade. This reminds me of the yep. moment when they're underneath the church with the with the, yep. with the the rats and everything. And also kind of Aliens 4. <laughs> Little, and I, that, oh, I was talking to somebody about, about resurrection the other day. And that's like that moment where they're in the flooded kitchen and, right? That's such a great moment. But yeah. Uh, but this was like, it was the same thing where he kept, um, okay, by the way, I don't want to be a, a, a stickler here, but 55 year old Tom Cruise's lungs aren't going to be able to <laughs> allow him to do what he was doing underwater when he was doing it. I know he's an army guy and all that crap, but dude, he's been out in the desert. I don't know. I did like the little, uh, the homage to the abyss, right? Where she's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's dead. And then she coughs at the water and you're like, oh man, this is Master Tonio. Thank God you're back. Oh, it's not her. Hold yeah. On. Look, man, if you're going to cherry pick from movies, you know, they're, they're, they're picking from good ones. So, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to fault them on that, but, 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 but maybe dude, that's what you know, I do the next time I watch this. I'll just go through and I'll just pick, I'll just I'll document all of the moments from other movies from this movie. Because of how well the MCU was received when they were starting this all up, right? With this whole dark universe plan, even before the reveal, you figure it's probably 2015 around there and they were, they were planning this all out. 2014, maybe. So they're probably like seven or eight movies into the MCU. Why couldn't they have just taken a cue from every single one of those movies where you have two post-credit sequences where you really could have teased that Jekyll and Hyde movie? Yeah. You know what I mean? You really could have done that. And you think they would have. I mean, you, you're going to throw this dark universe slate in front of me, but then you don't do anything with it afterwards. Right. If you would have given that to us, to the audience, as the last visual that we get to see, as opposed to him and him and Sala running off into the distance, <laughs> like in Raiders. Correct. 
that's the worst part about it. You're seeing this dark universe thing. Like, I don't want to see him again. I want to see Dr. Jekyll doing what he was doing before Tom Cruise came along. Right. And that he's overseeing this whole thing. You know, that's the part that's disappointing because if they would have ended this movie with something like that, as opposed to the Raiders of the Lost Ark ending, yeah. I think it, the movie would have been well-received. I think the $410 yeah. million it made probably would have been five hundred because word of mouth would have been better. Yep. But I don't think anybody's seen this movie and thought to the ending like, what the, what's with that ending? No. I mean, it's full of promise that is not fulfilled. And that, right. that's kind of the, the big drag about it. It's like, you know, they just missed. This is swing and a miss. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, everything went right down the toilet with it. But I will say this. Let's get a Van Helsing movie. Yeah. A reboot. Let's let's reboot. Let's try it one more time. Yeah. Let's give give us that give us that Van Helsing movie and give us a Jekyll and Hyde movie. But keep Crow. Yes. The promise that he brought with with his performance was so good. I, it's, I think it's funny. It was easy for, like, when you mentioned Van Helsing, I'm like, well, it's so funny that you're talking about this since Stephen Sommers directed those mummy reboot, reboots too. The 99 one and, and the follow-up and uh, Scorpion King. You know, Van Helsing was, like you said, it's junky fun. You just, you, even for 2004, <laughs> the CG is rough. Yeah. But. Right. I mean, those movies all go into the file with League of, uh, of Extraordinary Gentlemen. This movie goes in there. Probably, I would, if I'm being honest, all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies can go in there. Because <laughs> I don't think any of them are good. They're all flawed, but they are entertaining. Right. Uh, I think know. the biggest problem with, with Van Helsing uh, as a whole, and, and this movie it's kind of suffers, suffers yeah, this movie suffers from a little bit of the, well, not CGI moments so much it does, but there's a, where it suffers from is there's a disjointedness. And here we are again. It's a universal released movie that doesn't lean on the universal right on no, its own legend. Yeah, yeah, and that's totally. what's so disappointing. I'm like, you, you have a Count Dracula in this. You have a Frankenstein's monster in this. You have a werewolf in it. At least with Monster Squad, it was kind of its own thing. It had no relationship to it, and, and in fact, Universal got in the way of them making the movie, so they had to have very unique looking characters that that right. uh, Stan Winston's shop did, and it's better for it. But this is a universal movie dealing with essentially universal monsters and they just don't do it. Right. It's, it's not what it's supposed to be in a lot of ways that this, this is what this is supposed to be a reboot of what Van Helsing should have been. Yeah. You know what the best dark universe movie is? <laughs> Van Helsing. No, I was going to say uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola one. Yeah, you know what's funny too? The, the, this whole dark universe thing, they were trying to, the, the Dracula Untold story, or, that's the one they were starting to say that that's how they wanted to lead off with that. Right. And, the but, one that but, came out a few, yeah. Yeah, it came out in 2014, I think. Yeah. But they decided that they were going to make the mummy one because it's, because we got, oh, we got to start out big. Right. Well, you didn't have to. I mean, yeah, Iron Man was a big movie, it was was big, but did you did everybody know and until no. the original Iron Man? Nobody knew until it came out. It had to blow up before they even started talking about building any more of that. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like there was a bunch of weird, like, it's funny, those movies. I remember that Dracula Untold, not very good. Also, I Frankenstein came out before this mummy movie, too, with Aaron Eckert, but also good, not very good. And I don't think it was universal. Same vibe. Yes. I mean, they were, they, somebody was trying. And I, I feel like that's where they kind of like, okay, these guys are doing this. We're gonna we're gonna take this mummy thing and we're gonna make this dark universe. But the thing is, they just they didn't they didn't lean into their own legend and lore the way that they should have. You know the way that Marvel did, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
But again, not the worst movie we've talked about this month. It's kind of fun in a fucked up way. Yeah. It goes into it goes into the junk bin, man. You know, and when you want something junky, it'll be there. Just pull it out. You rented it? No, I bought it for four ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you bought it for four ninety nine. I bought it for five dollars at Big Lots two years ago. <laughs> that this is what we referred to on the show as a Big Lots movie. Yeah, Big Lots. This is a this is a Red Box movie, and <laughs> that's really kind of what we're looking at here. Is it fun? I'm like, yes, it's a fun movie. There's good stuff in it. The, but like I said, just you have to temper your expectations because the best stuff about the movie is the stuff that you get the least of. Exactly. So there. Anyway, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, it's at Karate Pod and Letterboxd is the same thing. We're getting close to releasing that. And the reason why it's taking so long is because I'm making each individual movie that we've covered with a direct link to each episode that the movie's tied to. Venture and get there. Uh, if you want to follow Corey on Letterboxd, it's Corey underscore Culp. Yeah. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at rockandroll33 on your Instagram or at uh, Tom Cody Henry Jekyll at letterboxd.com. That's Henry Jekyll. Or is it Tom Cody? Just depends. At letterboxd.com. 